Welcome to the Resources for Integrated Care webinar, Promising Practices for Supporting Duly Eligible Older Adults with Complex Pain Needs. This podcast is excerpted from a webinar presented live on June 27, 2019. In this podcast, Katrina Prophet, a clinical liaison to Edna Health of Ohio, discusses strategies to support older adults with pain management needs, including, but not limited to, self-management programs, and alternative modalities. Here's a quick overview of the topics I'm going to cover today. Next slide, please. Here I have listed six components to a comprehensive pain assessment. We want to look at how these areas are impacted by the individual's pain, as well as learn more about their beliefs and coping styles, and how these areas can be incorporated into helping us create treatment goals that will work best for the individual. Next slide. First, let's look at sensory. Utilizing a pain scale or thermometer helps the individual communicate how severe their pain is, and we can link that to specific coping strategies. A majority of elderly persons have significant pain problems that are undertreated. Detection and management of chronic pain remain inadequate. In one study, 66% of geriatric nursing home residents had chronic pain, but almost in half of those cases, it was not detected by the treating physician and was therefore going untreated. So using a pain scale or thermometer is an excellent way to help someone verbalize their pain so you have a better understanding. Next slide, please. And now we look at emotional impact. What is the impact, emotional impact the pain is having on the individual? Pain is a complex sensory and emotional experience. The psychological branch of pain also explains why some patients with minimal disease may have excruciating pain, and others with very severe disease may have minimal complaints. Depression and anxiety often accompany pain. So we want to be aware of this risk and provide support in managing depression and anxiety with psychotherapy, meditation, and medication when indicated. We also want to support our older adults in establishing a solid support system that includes relatives, friends, or caregivers. This is particularly important among the older, duly eligible beneficiaries who may not have as many natural supports. We need to ask them, are there neighbors, friends in their building, or in their faith communities, peer support groups? Who is available to help? Next slide, please. Functional impact, the person's level of functioning is important as it affects their degree of independence, level of need for caregivers, as well as overall quality of life. Activities of daily living should be assessed directly. After a diagnosis is made, a treatment plan should be outlined that includes modalities to decrease pain perception and increase their level of function. Focus on supports that can be put in place to help. Is there a home aide, a church friend that can make meals a couple times a week, a housekeeper? Stress that these are temporary to help alleviate the stress and pain the individual is feeling. Some folks are resistant to these types of interventions because they feel threatened by the loss of independence. So it's important to stress that this is a temporary strategy that may help. Next slide, please. Sleep. We all know how important that is. Getting enough good quality sleep helps maintain brain health, physical health, and mood. If an individual is having difficulty sleeping, it's important to make sure that untreated pain isn't contributing to the problem. And when assessing how much sleep someone's getting, don't ask how many hours of sleep do you get per night because you're going to get a general, probably unspecific answer that's not very helpful. 
So instead ask, you know, what time do you get in bed? What show is on when you tend to doze off in your chair? Do you fall asleep before dinner? Do you ever miss medications at night because you fall asleep? You know, more specific questions that are going to give you better insight into their sleep. Next slide, please. Attitudes and beliefs. Individuals can have different attitudes that affect their pain, intensity, and their outcomes. You know, I recommend coping strategies such as relaxation, meditation, prayer, attention to diversion techniques are great ways to help alleviate pain. Developing an attention diversion plan in advance so that they have it on hand when they need it is important. Adjustments to socio-environmental variables can also help individuals cope with pain. Environmental and social enrichment lessens the feelings of pain. Also, mind-body practices like yoga and meditation are helpful as they have a protective effect on the brain. Next slide, please. Coping strategies need to be sensitive to cultural and ethnic issues, as well as values and beliefs of the individuals and their families. Belief and coping styles are impacted by age, culture, and family dynamics. I recommend asking a lot of questions to understand how their age, culture, and family affect their coping styles. Things you can say, you know, what works for you? Are there things that your family does that helps you feel better? Is there anything your friend does that helps you when you're feeling down? You know, coping strategies might include, but aren't limited to, mindfulness skills training, chair yoga, silver sneakers, meditation, prayer, online chat and support groups. Next slide, please. Polypharmacy is a common concern for the duly eligible older adults. The purpose of a polypharmacy review is to identify negative drug interactions, excessive medication or dosing problems. You want to share the polypharmacy review results with the prescribers and have a discussion about whether any medication adjustments are needed. Next slide. A polypharmacy review should be done by the pharmacist and the primary care provider or the specialist, whoever's primarily treating and prescribing for the individual. This type of review captures pharmacy claims which show all medications being covered by insurance. A review only by the primary prescriber may lead to missed medications because other clinicians could be prescribing for the individual that their primary care provider isn't even aware of. And also don't forget to ask about other over-the-counter supplements like herbs or oils and things that they're using. Next slide. These are all different theoretical approaches available to treat pain and related psychiatric distress from pain. CBT and mindfulness are two interventions that I have found to be most effective for the older adult duals population in conjunction with psychiatry if medication is needed. So we're going to take a look more closely at CBT and mindfulness. Next slide, please. As was mentioned earlier, CBT is one of the best treatment modalities for chronic pain. Cognitive behavior therapy helps provide pain relief in a few ways. First, it changes the way people view their pain. CBT can change the thoughts, emotions, and behaviors related to pain, improve coping strategies, and put the discomfort in a better context. You recognize that the pain interferes less with your quality of life, and therefore you can function better. CBT can also change the physical response in the brain that makes pain worse. Pain causes stress, and stress affects pain control chemicals in the brain, such as norepinephrine and serotonin. CBT reduces the arousal that impacts these chemicals. 
This, in effect, may make the body's natural pain response more powerful. This is not a technique that an untrained person can implement with someone, but what's important to know is having the knowledge to ask about it. Ask about CBT as a treatment option for the individual, you know, your family member, whoever you're working with, and make a referral if indicated. Next slide, please. Mindfulness. This is kind of a hot topic a lot of you have probably heard about, but I can't stress enough the importance of it. Mindfulness is the basic human ability to fully present, to be fully present, aware of where we are and what we're doing, and not overly reactive or overwhelmed by what's going on around us. While mindfulness is something we all naturally possess, it's more readily available to us when we practice it on a daily basis. Whenever you bring awareness to what you're directly experiencing via your senses or your state of mind, via your thoughts and emotions, you're being mindful. There's growing research that shows that when you train your brain to be mindful, you're actually remodeling the physical structure of your brain. The goal of mindfulness is to wake up to the inner workings of our mental, emotional, and physical processes, which in turn improve our ability to cope with stress and pain. Mindfulness is easy to learn and can be as simple as deep breathing exercises and focusing on gratitude over pain. There are endless mindfulness strategies readily available online. There are also some great free apps for engaging in mindfulness exercises. Next slide, please. Substance use assessment and intervention. More than 1 million older adults had a substance use disorder in 2014. Opioid use disorder is a particular concern among the duly eligible older adults with chronic pain. Tips for supporting older adults with these issues include validating their feelings and struggles, asking the right questions, have you ever taken more of your medication than is prescribed, when does that happen, what usually leads up to you needing a higher dose, education. A lot of folks don't understand how they can manage their chronic pain without opioids or with fewer opioids or in conjunction with opioids by adding in extra modalities. It's important to provide other treatment options when appropriate. When possible, group older adults into age-specific cohorts for support groups. In other words, if you're referring an older adult to an addiction support group, you need to make sure the demographic makeup of that group is one that they can relate to, because if they show up with a bunch of young kids, it's not gonna work for them. So just be cognizant of that. Next slide, please. Self-management programs address physical, psychological, and social dimensions. They teach participants specific strategies to reduce pain by changing their behavioral, cognitive, and emotional responses. For example, exercise interventions with chronic pain are evidence-based and underutilized and should be a core component of most long-term treatment plans. Silver sneakers and gym memberships are all often offered by the health plans that are serving the duly eligible older adult population at no charge. So this is a great resource. Next slide, please. Linking to resources, senior centers are amazing. Um, they serve as a gateway to the nation's aging network. They connect our older adults to vital community services that can help them stay healthy and independent. They offer a wide variety of programs and services like meals and nutrition programs, transportation, social, recreational activities, all in one location. So if you're looking for a senior center in your area, the Elder Care location link is listed in this slide and is a great resource. Next slide, please. I'm gonna walk through a case example of a gentleman I'll call Fritz. A little background, 
He's a 77-year-old duly eligible male. He has chronic spine and shoulder pain. He lives alone in an independent living complex. He has some area aging services in place. He has challenges with transportation and frequently misses his appointments. He has poor nutrition. Um, he has substance use issues and behavioral health issues that are not being treated. And he has no natural supports involved in his life at this point. Next slide. Okay, there we go. All right. It took time to establish rapport and get Fritz to trust a professional. Originally, he was just wanted nothing to do with anybody. But repeated outreach attempts finally kind of got there. Um, he refused a full medical workup and a formal geriatric pain assessment. But he was able to identify what was causing his pain and that alcohol was great at dulling it. Isolation and loneliness were key barriers to improving his quality of life. Polypharmacy reviews showed he was at risk for serious complications by mixing his pain meds and muscle relaxers with alcohol. This was the likely culprit of several falls where he broke three ribs and his scapula. Also, he was on an aspirin regimen and was having excessive bleeding from skin tears. He had an unsteady gait to begin with, and adding the alcohol and the meds was not helping. We identified he was not refusing to answer the door for providers. He actually had hearing loss and was not hearing them knock. He was not taking his meds as prescribed because he was drinking, and he could not read the small print on the bottles. Next slide. The interventions we implemented included physical therapy to help with gait and building strength and decreasing pain. He got a hearing aid, and we added a doorbell buzzer with a speaker so he could actually hear when his providers arrived. He got new glasses. He was still not thrilled with leaving for appointments, so we set up as many in-home services as we could. So we had a visiting physician, a visiting uh, behavioral health and addictions counselor. We had his medications delivered in bu bubble packs to limit the confusion. His visiting PCP reviewed the polypharmacy review and ended up adjusting some of his medications as a result. He learned to use waiver transportation benefits. We utilized a harm reduction method to address his excessive alcohol use. He was not ready to quit, but was willing to decrease use. So we set up a plan where he would drink before bed, limit of two drinks, and he would not take pain meds or muscle relaxers on the nights he chose to drink. And after he drank, he went to bed. So we were decreasing his fall risk. He agreed to counseling to start addressing the addictions and the, and the depression issues. We found a niece who was, he was estranged from who actually came back into his life and was a great support to him. And he, re he still refused to leave for a senior center or go out, but he did eventually agree to attend two group meals a week, with the hope being he would meet some peers and want to do more in the future. Next slide, please. So the outcomes were that he improved his health and decreased his pain significantly. A number of the safety issues were addressed. His medical and behavioral health issues were being addressed with a lot of improvements at time and setbacks at other times but we, had, we saw a definite overall improvement in his pain and quality of life. Thank you for listening. This podcast is presented by the Lewin Group and is supported through the Medicare and Medicaid Coordination Office at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. MMCO is dedicated to helping beneficiaries enrolled in Medicare and Medicaid have access to seamless, high-quality health care that includes the full range of covered services in both programs. To support providers in their efforts to deliver more integrated, coordinated care, 
MMCO is developing technical assistance and actionable tools based on successful innovations and care models. To learn more about current efforts and resources, please visit our website or follow us on Twitter for more details. Our Twitter handle is at integrate underscore care.